if you play with people's money, you're playing God with their lives. Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I'm the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast and joining me today, a fellow Bitcoin podcaster, a boy named Sue, Phil Gibson, who gave up his time to come on the show and talk about his latest project, which is making a rock song about, well, Bitcoin and ending the Fed. So we'll get into this episode pretty quick. We've got a copy of the song, which hopefully you've heard. If you have not, then uh, you know it's an honor to be the first time that you'll be hearing the song on this show. Uh, me and Phil get into lots of different topics. He's a really cool, fun young man. Really enjoyed hanging out with him on this one. And yeah, he's, he's, he's a really dedicated to the cause. And, and look into the future, and that's what I really like about him. So make sure you go listen to his show as well. He's got a great lineup of guests coming on, and he always brings a completely different angle and uh, viewpoint to, to his show, and I really love listening to it. So thanks, Phil, for, for reaching out and for asking to come on the show and, and you know, showcase your, your talent I uh, hope you all enjoy this one, guys. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Make sure you head over to coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten if you are based in the UK and looking to start your SATs stacking journey. Let's get into the show. Thank you, as always, to everybody that helps out at Adam Woodhams One and at Hodler Than Now for the music in the background. Enjoy the show, guys, and I'll catch you after. Hey guys, welcome to this week's edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. And joining me today, fellow podcaster and rock and roll star, Phil Gibson, otherwise known as uh, Mr. Sue. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, rock, rock star is a little much, I guess, fingers crossed, but thank you for the time and having me on the show. You're a rock star to us, man. If you can pick up a guitar and play it the way you do, then uh, that's... As far as the non-musical Prince family goes, your rock star status. <laughs> well, thanks, Wait, you, you want to sing? Like? Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for pumping out the Beatles and Stones and all that great, you know, new wave of British heavy metal. You know, I don't know where I'd be without all of it. So thanks, Zeppelin all the way. If you haven't had your kids listen to, to Zeppelin, it's, it's time to start now. Right, that's my bias. There you go. We'll do that. Now, Lauren, do you want to kick off with the questioning? I got two. So, all right. When and why do you play the guitar? When and why? Like, like when did I start? Yeah. And why do I do it? Yeah. So I started when I was probably. You're how old are you? Nine. Nine. Ten. Nine. Nine? Many cool. times. I, I think I started around there. I, I got a guitar for my my tenth birthday, but I wanted to forever, and I always grew up just singing songs as a kid. 
uh, just kind of a music spaz that way. It was a part of me. And I just want to play my favorite songs that I heard on the radio or CD. So I've been at it since. And it really just makes me happy. And it's a way for me to express myself. And when I learn about Bitcoin or just these things that first that look complex, it's a really it's a very interesting and fun way for me to kind of narrow down things that sound difficult to understand and just have it in this kind of fun format for me to remember. So that's why, uh, or, or part of, part of why, but it's, it just, you know, it's, it's a part of me. Like it's, it's my passion really. And why did you decide to write, uh, the song? Why did I decide to write it? Well, back in March and, you know, arguably centuries we've kind of had a problem with money and it really got to my attention when there was a a crash in the economy in march and it was about the same time i was really really getting into bitcoin and this kind of goes back to what i was talking about because there was just so much information coming out from every angle of all sorts and i listened to a lot of podcasts like your dad's and just listening to people that were a lot smarter than me, it was just so much information. But again, I yeah, music was kind of the only way that I can make it understand uh, the, the best. And so I, I felt like that I, I had to write this song so I can understand it. But I also wanted it to be in this fun format because when you try to teach somebody about Bitcoin or about economics, it's really hard and they kind of look at you like you're crazy and they run away and that's not really cool uh so that's really the reason i did it for myself but i also did it for people so if they heard the song it would be fun and catchy enough for them and they they would start to think maybe go read the lyrics that i wrote and even if they didn't come to the conclusion that bitcoin is awesome bitcoin fixes this or whatever at least it got them thinking and what I really strove for was to just make it as catchy as possible. There are these things called earworms. You probably heard of them, but like a big pop song that comes out, it just stays in your head. And if I can plant as many like sound money, economic earworms into as many people on the planet as possible, then maybe that will rub off and hopefully they find Bitcoin or at least start to ask different questions you guys have seen the movie seen that and listened to the song well yeah i think the song is cool yeah caitlin you have Thank any questions Kate, listeners caitlin is here again second second uh episode <laughs> wanted to come on and see the rock star <laughs> that's what teenage girls do <laughs> <Feel space. laughs> oh we didn't disappoint short answers i guess they can be really long but i'll try to keep it as brief as possible um podcasts and libertarianism but i didn't find libertarianism until i found a podcast called part of the problem by dave smith and he's a comedian and he puts these ideas of freedom and just you know, self-sovereignty into his stand-up material and it's just a really entertaining 
podcast because he's funny, but he also talks about issues that matter, like asking, you know, why do we pay taxes in the first place? Why are we at war with a bunch of countries? And these are the kind of questions that don't actually surface on the mainstream media, as it's called. And these definitely aren't the questions that your teachers in school challenge you to ask. And it just the the form that he was able to present it was just so tell it like it is some guy out the street, you know, didn't give a care about what anyone thought. So his podcast was really influential on me because one, it was fun. It was funny. And then libertarianism just really made sense to me because the rules of it basically are don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. And as cliche as that sounds and as oversimplified as it is, it's really kind of default humans being alone and cooperating with each other. And you're always going to have bad people and it's not going to be a utopia, but it's funny because it's not a utopia is, is the reason why it works because you're going to have booms and busts in an economy. But as uh, people in the Bitcoin space, uh, like what Nassim is it? It's Nassim, not Hasim, right? It's Nassim. Taleb, what Taleb says is, you know, markets are anti-fragile and you need this kind of chaos to create this, this natural order in the world. And when that happens, you kind of get this prosperity. You have ebbs and flows. I mean, just look at plants and animals like, you know, animals eat plants and animals get eaten by other animals, but like the world keeps going. And there's just so much complexity in the world that as much as humans want to try to control they can't because we're human and we screw up. So Dave Smith's show was really just a great way to present that. And I went down rabbit holes of uh, podcasts of uh, Scott Horton, Free Man Beyond the Wall, and uh, reading or listening to stuff like Murray Rothbard. And it was just such a ride. And then I ultimately ended up in Bitcoin and I had to dig my way out of the, uh, the altcoin whole and just question but again bitcoin was kind of a saving grace for me because once again you have to ask questions that you wouldn't normally ask so like why only bitcoin and why not all these other options and it all comes down to fixing the money fixing the world you know you have this thing that everybody wants and even if they're acting in their own self-interest it's not sometimes it's selfishness but it's not necessarily selfishness and you know, there, there's this, it, it just kind of works. Like Bitcoin's the one thing of free market capitalism working and improving and advancing as time goes on. And we never really gotten to see that as humans before. So um, yeah, long story short, podcast got me to Bitcoin. <laughs> cool. Any other questions? No, but I think it's really cool how you're trying to get the, this message across to people using like songs because I mean I'm sorry daddy but I can't listen to a podcast I think it's just so boring <laughs> so yeah um I think yeah. it's really cool what you're doing and uh I think it will really help out like younger people like maybe my generation because we haven't gotten into podcasts yet not yet so like n- no people I know listen to podcasts so, but we all listen to music. Really? So, 
a lot with listening See, I was your, your, you're 17, right? No, I'm 15. Or something, right? I mean, like, I was your age when I started listening to podcasts. That's just kind of right. weird. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's new technology, but, mm. you know, yeah. TikTok is just a lot more fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need people uh, memeing uh, your song, Phil, on TikTok, and then we're off to the races. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and belly dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw that yesterday. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, talk about cringe. I, I felt conflicted at first. I'm like, okay, she's trying, maybe. And then I put it on volume at like the last half, and I felt disturbed. <laughs> and then I, I did some very uh, half-efforted research, and I, I, it's just very cringy, and it's it's not authentic. So mm. I don't know. This kind of Bitcoin attracts this kind of madness, but you know we we keep rolling on with it. So yeah. welcome to Bitcoin. Okay, girls, do you want to say goodnight to Phil? Yeah. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Bye. Good night. You bet. Thanks for the questions. Good night, guys. <laughs> thanks, man. That was uh, really good. Thank you very much. Uh, I really love the song. it's it's cool and i you know it, you gave me a sneak peek to it and I, I thought it was brilliant i really appreciate you you sending that over and i hope uh probably had any kind of constructive feedback other than this is awesome keep going keep doing it what what's um when, when you were talking about the, the earworms, that, that's something I've never really heard of, but like that whistling at the beginning, is that the kind of thing that you're talking about? Because that sticks in my head the whole time. Yeah, it, exactly. That was that was totally the point. Um, and, and I wrote a piece that uh, better explains this. Like, you know, thankfully Wikipedia is a nice source. I literally did copy paste shit of like, just what is an earworm. And I, I reworded it a little bit, but basically it is just a repetitive uh, phrase in a song that gets stuck in people's minds somehow uh well occasionally like involuntarily and i thought that would kind of go against like uh you know not very voluntarist like ethos um but I, if it works it, it works but yeah it, it's just that constant repetition it's something that's catchy that you can't get out of your head it might even drive you crazy but it, it was just kind of everything I, I i could do to get someone's attention i mean the song's still new it's not like viral by any means you know, you know knock on wood but yeah it, it earworms are essentially what made me want to play guitar in the first place or uh you, you know you, you think of like a riff so the intro to sweet child of mine from guns and roses or Classic. uh whole lot of love from led zeppelin it's just that riff that is just so tasty that you it, it, you can't get out of your head and it was stuff like that that made me want to try to pick up a guitar and, and duplicate that and then do my own kind of stuff so you know if if it was able to you know be this shiny colorful thing that attracted me to music and uh, you know learn about uh, bands and just a bunch of other stuff then i kind of wanted to do that with my song as well and, be, and because bitcoin is really 
been the most important thing that I have ever learned to understand. And I don't think anyone truly understands Bitcoin 100% because it is just so vast, but I'm definitely not the same person I was a year ago. Um, and, and so if it can have such a profound impact on me, Bitcoin and music, if there's a way that I could just sandwich those two things together into, you know, this just this one medium, this one form, then, you know, I'm I'm hoping that can somehow have an impact on others too. What would you say was the, has been the biggest change, the most notable change in in your behavior? You know, not to disappoint, but I was always kind of a a, a saver. Um, I I come from like a, I guess Republican right wing conservative family, so. I was always it was I was very keen on oh the 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 blue leftist liberals are going to tax us and take all of our money and that's not fair and you know I didn't know about the hidden tax of inflation or how the banking system worked so I guess what changed me is just my general knowledge of how all that stuff works um and I'm not trying to sound high and mighty but like the the principles of of just low time preference and saving money and all of that I I felt like I just had that under my belt. Like I never, growing up as a kid, never made any super rash spending decisions. In in fact, my parents thought at times I was just crazy, just you know saving birthday money, like hiding it in my bathroom or something. And it, it, I like it, it's good habits, but at the same time, I guess they kind of thought of it as like just too like stingy and weird. Or maybe I had like an upper advantage or just it was just like too mature for a, a kid to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, when my mom would tell stories to her friends at, you know, PTO meetings or church gatherings and they would go, oh, my gosh, your son's doing that. You know, when I was his age, we were like my first year in college, I like maxed out all my credit cards. And my parents got pissed and. Like to me, that was just that's just inherently like you're an idiot if you if you do that. Like, you know, money doesn't come from nothing. Well, well, it does these days, <laughs> yeah. but hence the song. You know, yeah. and that's exactly what the song is about, right? You know, end the Fed is is the is the title of your song, and mm-hmm. I mean, spurred on by the the madness of the monetary system that you've well, we've all come to have a deeper understanding of and you know, realize that the emperor is wearing no clothes and hasn't been for decades. It's, it's madness. So how did you go around, uh, around writing the song? Clearly nothing I've ever done before and probably 99.9% of the listeners have never done before. How does one sit down and start just hashing that out and writing out the lyrics? What's the process? It is different every time. And I think other musicians will say the same thing. This one's interesting because it, the music itself came from two different songs that I wrote in the past. So let's see here. How do I best explain this? Which part went where? So the, the clean guitar guitar part was from, I I don't know. There, (laughs) Long story short, they were both things that I wrote in high school, uh, college, and it just wasn't, I wasn't having it like with the words and everything. So I, I held on to it. And a lot of musicians will, I, not to speak for them, but I think 
what generally happens is that they come up with a cool riff and they just don't know what to do with it. So they record it in a demo and save it. And then suddenly it just kind of like falls in your lap and it makes sense. So that's kind of how the music ended up. And I, I came up with uh, like at the last minute, probably some of the the riffs in like the, the month or week before actually going into the studio. The words were really the hardest because I had the music in my head and when you try to record it, um, but the words aren't there and you're still not entirely sure like how long the song should be in certain sections. It's, um, you know, I, I, you know, thank God for Abram Olve for putting up with me. Cause I was just at times a, uh, a spastic dick wreck. Cause I was like getting mad at myself. It's like, no, it's supposed to sound like this. And he's like, dude, it's, it's fine. It's like, but like, it's really frustrating to, to have this thing all fleshed out in your head, but you can't communicate this, like this thing that doesn't exist just to somebody else until it's like done. And then it just kind of clicks. It's like, Oh, like that's what you meant. So that's kind of how the music went. And then the, the lyrics were just kind of like ad libbed in a way in each session, because I think it took about four sessions uh, one or two for the guitar and um, the drums were, were, were programmed, but like trying to figure out where the drums go throughout the song was also uh, an interesting experiment because you have to play with different drum sounds and, oh, I, I need to have a cymbal here and not there. And so I think that might've taken a whole day. Um, and then, and then when you sing it, that took me about one or two times uh because i would come up with like ideas for harmonies and i just couldn't fit it in but so 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 the the words the lyrics i came up with the chorus first and i i came up with that because i was on a another podcast called uh they're called peace freaks now but it's like a uh libertarian podcast i was on there like you know a year and a half or so ago. And then he jokingly said, uh, you, you should write a song called and the fed or something. And it's kind of like, he planted that seed in my head when he was jokingly singing and the fed. I'm like, you know what? If it's good enough to be a book title and it's catchy enough and people still remember it, I might just steal that and see what happens in the future. So I kind of had that, but then it, of course it's the rest of it. And since I was on uh, my friend's podcast, of course, I learned just so much more about macroeconomics and how the financial system works. And so almost at last minute when I was going into the my friend's studio, I things just started to fall in place and like make sense. You know, when you were in school and you like cram for an essay, but it was like the best stuff that you thought you ever did. But, you know, at the same time, I would r- write lines in when I was at the grocery store in the parking lot, um, like, uh, <laughs> instead of the first line being, it's time to embrace self-sovereignty, I wanted to call it, to say, it's not a kook conspiracy, because uh, it, it's not, but it was a conspiracy in the sense that people in Jekyll Island conspired to, you know, have this cartel of a mastermind of a, a system. But, you know, after reading The Sovereign Individual, I just thought that was a lot more powerful. So, you know, a lot of events like getting into books and listening to podcasts, all this kind of like piled up. 
And um, it, it just kind of fell in my lap in a way. It was really weird. And th- th- there's a band called The Darkness. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're, yeah. They're, oh, okay. They're from the UK. They're British. And in an interview uh, for, for one of their albums, I, I think it was Hot Cakes, but they have like a track at the very end. And um, Dustin Hawkins is talking about when he's writing a song using an acoustic guitar, just coming up with stuff and really not, not trying or like trying to hash it out, but he uses the guitar as like a butterfly net and like pieces of the song are just like flying and like he catches it at the right time. And so some songs you can sit down and just kind of write the words to, and there's just a flow to it. Or maybe you write something a year ago and you have some verses that makes sense to you in a way, but not completely. And you just say that for later and you kind of ad lib or jigsaw puzzle it together. But I think a lot of like this acoustic butterfly net thing uh, came in, in handy. And it's kind of like, like the idea is I were already exposed to you through the content that I was consuming, but also it, it, it feels like, you know, like something metaphysical also just kind of made me, finish it or like you know worked through me in a way i know that sounds kind of like fat headed or or something but you know some some songs that i write i'm like holy crap like huh i that that came from me weird like yeah like my friend like mixed it pretty well but like wow just the way that everything kind of fits together and pieces together so this like metaphysical thing in a way kind of happened and i think talking about metaphysical stuff like that and and god is becoming more prominent in the bitcoin space hearing stuff from Bree loves pieces and i, I know jimmy song is a, a christian and, and you know i'm not like a born again but i definitely don't think that we're here on accident by any means and you know i totally buy into as frankly as fucked as everything has gotten it's like, you know, what if God planted the seeds that led to Bitcoin as like our one and only hope? You know, there's there's a line in my song that says our one and only hope is free and open source. And Bitcoin has just been this thing that has evolved over trials and tribulations of just failed projects. And then whoever the hell Satoshi was, you know, maybe it's a psyop, but if it's a psyop, I don't think it's in like, you know, the... The, the the planner's interests because it's not money but you know whoever satoshi was he was able you know i think of him as like an a and r agent or like a band manager and he grabs like these musicians were the ideas of adam back and nick zabo and way die and uh you know like xiaomi and digital cash and he just kind of like puts all these musicians in one place and they form the band that's bitcoin and it just it just works and it uh, it happens by happen chance, and you know again like I'm not like a religious zealot or anything, but you know, just growing up the, the way I did and being exposed to the church and just whatnot. Um, it's I, I mean you hear this even if you're not around that stuff, but you hear like God works in mysterious ways or He works through people or you know life finds a way if you want to quote Jurassic Park, and I think life does find a way, and it it kind of goes hand in hand with what Taleb talks about is just this like natural order that is driven from chaos in nature 
that is beyond our control. And I don't think that's an accident. Well, there's certainly chaos in our monetary system. And Bitcoin fixes this, right? So <laughs> that's that's for sure. So that's that's the song written and sung and mixed together. But then you still got the video to get to because that's professional as all hell. And big shout out to oh, Richard man. James, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Richard James. <clears throat> uh, he It was so fun working with him and Bitco. Bitco did the art and just major shout outs to both of them for just collaborating with me and going on this like experimental artistic journey together. Uh, it, it, it really was collaborative and just bouncing ideas off and them helping me realize the final product and the image that I was trying to just uh, encapsulate to represent what the song is all about. And actually, big thanks to you for uh, advising me to get in touch with Batters because it was it was his idea because I showed him the song because, you know, he's he's music man in Bitcoin. And uh, I, I totally agreed with him when he said, hey, this needs like a visual element because I'm yeah, like the words are clear, but in the world of Twitter and YouTube, it's, you know, maybe I should just like made a meme instead of a song, but you know, we're in that meme culture. And if you have a visual element to, you know, a, a decent song, then I think that's kind of icing on the cake. So it was his idea to just put the visual element into it. So, um, I, I reached out to, to Richard James. Everyone should know who that is. I think he's been on the show twice now, but <laughs> If you haven't yet, go watch, uh, go to hardmoneyfilm.com. And I recently had him on my show to talk about his Anatomy of the State film, which I arguably want to say it was just better done than the first one. Not to say the first one was bad, but after he did the first one, it's kind of like he was able to sit back and relax and really write and follow this narrative of Guy Swan reading Murray Rothbard's Anatomy of the State, and I thought it was beautifully done. But, you know, uh, that that craftsmanship is the reason why I reached out to him in the first place, and it was very fun. So the first demo of that video was a bunch of clips that, you know, he strung together, used some of the clips in both documentaries, and it, it was great, but I wanted to make it a, a bit more fun. So a lot of the, a lot of, I, I, I want to say like half and half of it are clips that I chose and that he chose. Um, actually, now that I think of it, I met him at a lot more. So maybe it's like 60, 40. I don't know. But like um, adding, adding like the cartoonish kind of thing. So shout out to BT, BTC Jason uh, for holding my, my iPhone and filming me on the uh, porch deck of uh, a friend's house of ours and also shout out to uh, Colin Brewer for filming uh, me walking on the train tracks and uh, just that outside scenery so they were a help and then I wanted to like the old school kind of vibe that Richard goes for so it was my idea to choose the Mickey Mouse whistling thing so I'm not gonna what that Disney doesn't sue us and um <laughs> Oh, it was just so perfect how we found that clip from like the 60s of like the old dude playing drums. That was brilliant. And then all like the B-roll of like the markets crashing and stuff like that was him. I I tried to add it, add in like a more cartoony fun aspect that kind of fit the music, like with the synthesizer and the intro and like a pop punky 
aesthetic. So when you see uh, Beastie Boy from Teen Titans Go, like the little green leprechaun dude on the rainbow crashing into the Fed, uh, that was me because I saw some thing on Twitter. Apparently, when uh, Cartoon Network did that episode, it was like anti-gold standard, which is... You know, they were making fun of the gold standard, but everything that they had the character say was 100% correct. So it's very ironic. Um, so thanks for, you know, trying to brainwash me with shitty propaganda. Uh, my propaganda is better. Piss off. Um, and then, you know, the cartoony ele- elements of the inflating bicep. That's from SpongeBob. That's the anchor arm. Um, uh, j- just those those kind of fun aspects of it. Um, and then I wanted to give a hat tip to BTC pay server, arguably one of the most important companies in Bitcoin making private digital cash a reality. So, um, when I told Richard to add the Linux penguin for our one and only help is open source. And, um, and then it, it cut into the, uh, the, the federal debt clock. That was also my idea. But with the penguin, I had to put in the background, the BTC pay server logo, and then I also gave a hat tip to Swan Bitcoin for when the Black Swan in this Black Swan event. Perfect. And um, so in the background is the Swan logo. And then right after that, it transitions to um, our capital is unchained from the from the Leviathan. And so I had to put the Unchained Capital logo in the background as like these chain links break. Um because I really, whoever, whatever normie kind of listened to the song, I want to give them my t- own taste of propaganda, but good propaganda of, you know, companies that are made by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners that are really passionate and true about what they do. Um, like Swan Bitcoin, just making stacking sats, like breathing air. It, it's, you just said it, forget it. And you know that you have, you're of sound mind because you have sound money on your side. And the amazing things that Unchained Capital is doing, especially their involvement in Wyoming and the, the the Speedy Bank, or having a bank for Bitcoin with proof of reserves, and also having access to the Fed window, which is interesting. But it's kind of like they're planting this bank as a seed of opportunity for Bitcoin companies, or I guess crypto companies, whatever, um, to actually have access to banks because companies like that and companies like uh like head shops or um you know marijuana shops like jack mauer's folks they get kind of screwed and that's why we're we're bitcoiners are fixing the problems in the legacy financial system by creating these products i mean that's one reason why jack made um uh strike you know so your fiat can speak bitcoin to help out businesses that basically get screwed by the legacy financial system. And it's it's going to be a very dangerous, interesting time the next 10 years, next 20 years, especially hearing about what happened with BitMEX, but, you know, it's very bullish for Bitcoin because, you know, it, it barely moved an inch. I mean, I guess three, $400, whatever the hell it was. But this is just over time proving how anti-fragile Bitcoin really is. And, you know, the feds can try to crack down on Bitcoin, but, it's only going to make it more valuable and more legitimize of what a threat it is to the system. But I'm more concerned about the privacy aspect of holders and whether or not they try to 6102 
people. And again, even if they, they try that, I mean, we saw what happened when they try to ban drugs or alcohol. Well, with marijuana, we're seeing it becoming more commonplace. Maybe that's maybe that's a strategic mechanism for, I guess, drugging people from reality and escaping. Um, but hey, at the end of the day, sigh up or not, like people will choose to do what they want to do. So like that aside. But, you know, we saw with prohibition of alcohol, there were brothels and yeah, people are... <laughs> Black markets work. Markets in general work, and black market is stigmatized when it shouldn't be. Just like like the the dark web, it's really a, a, a safe web. It's it is the safe place. It's the correct safe place, and people are are just gonna act. It's just like you try to tell a kid to not grab cookie from the cookie jar. Kids gonna be like, "Fuck you, mom! I'm I'm taking those cookies." So um, you know. Bitcoin was created for this after the crash of the financial crisis. It's yeah, I talk about in um in an article that Tim Copeland wrote. He interviewed he interviewed me, um, David Bennett of Bitcoin and Podcast. Really, really uh, valuable news Bitcoin news podcast. Uh, he interviewed Marty and then Bree Love as well. But in that one, I was telling my story of how I found Bitcoin and I was essentially buying a VPN and my bank said no. And I was like, you know, fuck you. I'm going to use Bitcoin because I, I told Tim that Bitcoin is fuck you money for a reason. And of course I'm not the first one to say that, but you know, it's a hell of a drug in the sense that it liberates people to do things that they should just do permissionlessly. And you know, that was one of the, the aha moments of, of Bitcoin for me was that customer experience, that user experience, because it just makes you feel so powerful, but as you should, because, well, it's, it's, it's my money, right? Well, no, if it not, if it's fiat in the bank, uh, you know, FDIC insurance aside, it's, <laughs> I actually wrote like a little story just in case if Lauren asked me what the fed was, uh, <laughs> I can tell if you, if you want, um, but, yeah, uh, like, essentially, like, no, it's yeah. not your money. And she, Bitcoin she, empowers me because it's my money and I make the rules around it. Um, so, you know, this fuck you money against the legacy system is empowering, but also scary because I'm just worried about people like myself and privacy advocates. What's going to happen? Like, I don't want to die a martyr for my own property. But if that has to be the case, like, I'd hate for that to be the case. But it might be something I'm willing to have the balls for. But I, I've really prefer not <laughs> yeah lauren should have had that question how would you explain what the fed is to a nine-year-old through stories of course <laughs> <laughs> um i mean how much time do you have like you shouldn't take that I, i'm more than happy to share if you want go for it sure all right so i think of the fed as the king of banks really um so so king fed we'll call him fed as uh, uh, as a nine-year-old probably wouldn't know, Fed is short for the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States, where I live. And he's like the king of all the other banks. In fact, way back in 1913, King Bank told those other banks, okay, guys, you're really bad at playing this banking game and making money. So you're too dumb to run your own business yourself. So now you got to play by my new rules. And these rules are going to let you make lots of money because they'll let you cheat and you'll be able to trick your customers like, like me 
into making decisions with their money that they wouldn't do otherwise. And you had Parker Lewis talking on the show last time about just fucking with the price mechanism and f- sending false signals. So anyway, King Bank- Bank's like, I'll make it so easy and cheap for your banking customers to borrow money from you. And they'll be tricked into thinking that they're rich and the economy will look like everybody's rich when they're really not. And all you banks will just make all the money. And the banks go, okay, King Fed, great. But what happens when our customers catch us cheating and try to take all their money back because, you know, we're doing bad stuff that telling them to make irresponsible decisions and they don't trust us anymore. And King Bing's like, yo, guys, don't worry. I, I got you covered. I'll come in, swoop in, save your bus. I'll, I'll just print money for you out of nothing. It, it's, it's cool. It'll work. You trust me, right? I'm the lender last resort here. And so, in fact, if you break the rules, I'll even reward you by printing all this money. So everything is Gucci. So if that goes over a nine-year-old's head, I have an example of I go to the bank as a customer and I want to borrow money to start a gummy bear store because it's just so cheap to borrow this money. And I think people want gummy bears, but people don't want gummy bears. Instead, they actually want chocolate. And so nobody buys my gummy bears when I open up this gummy bear store and I don't make any money. And because the bank tricked me into borrowing all the money for my gummy bear store, I can't make profit to pay them back. And so this doesn't just happen to me, but other people that want to start businesses in the rest of the economy do this and everybody else starts playing the banking game and loses because the rules are broken. So the economy gets sick. And when the economy gets sick, the Fed prints money for their favorite businesses to make them feel better and profit while a lot of other businesses get sick. And uh, if I'm talking to a nine-year-old, I probably won't say die, but you know. (laughs) And so prices for things that you want to buy start to go up and you lose your purchasing power. You need to spend more of your money uh, to buy less things, essentially. And when prices go up over time, all the money that you save loses purchasing power too. And this is why Bitcoin is so important because the rules aren't broken. Nobody cheats. I'm my own bank. I make my own rules. My purchasing power goes up, in fact, because Bitcoin lets me buy more things with less money. This is an inflation. Uh, this is a deflationary asset, not inflationary. And even if prices of some things go up and down, that's healthy because the the rules aren't being broken. People are playing by the the correct rules. No one's cheating, and you're in charge, and you become king. And so, you know, I, I had another example of. I know you guys are in in football, uh, like football fans, like with your feet. So think of like a ref and he gives a team member a red card only when that happens, instead of that player getting benched or whatever, each team gets 10 free points for nothing. And the fans in the stadium are like, the hell is this? And then this keeps happening five times and the the fans in the stadium are like, okay, we're done with this. We're going home. Going to go get pizza or whatever. But they can't drive home because their cars have been stolen because the ref had to sell the cars in order to give both teams just hundreds of points. And that's what happens in the economy because companies get bailed out or the favorite companies of the Fed get bailed out and the taxpayers get the heat 
We have to pay for that, not directly, but through inflation. And through inflation, we lose our purchasing power. And we might not see it directly in grocery stores, but all the fancy, fun assets that people want, like investing in real estate or just, you know, they, we, people don't have access to that capital. But with Bitcoin, I mean, it's over 10000 right now, but it's still pretty cheap. And we actually have this opportunity to be self-sovereign and actually invest in ourselves and you know, some people might sell it for fiat and, you know, get rich quick, but then it's really going to be replacing gold. Like it, this is a digital bearer asset that is mine and mine only. But, you know, if you have a Fed or a central planner playing doctor, like this is another kid example I was going to share is that if you're sick and you go to the doctor and you tell him, hey, doc, I got a fever and, and a sore throat, it would be like, Messing with prices and tricking people into doing one thing when they should be doing the other would be like a doctor saying, oh, your your throat hurts? Well, I'm going to print all these cough drops and make your sore throat go away. It's like, well, thanks, doc, but I still got a fever. And so, like, none of this happens on a sound money standard. There's still going to be bad business practices. I mean, we're seeing this on Ethereum and, and DeFi. It's a free market, but... And, and that chaos is going to happen. But again, the problem is, you know, they're still, they can still print as many tokens as, as they want. Um, so you need to have this ebbs and flow, the, these ebbs and flows and booms and busts. But organically, that's fine because these are just price signals. These are, you know, these are, these are blinking signals to get people's attention to make sound decisions. But now that's not happening because instead of a red light, you got a green light. And that's all because people think that they know how to better manage the money than individuals for their own being. It's not an accident. You know, it, the Fed was created because smaller banks were a threat to J.P. Morgan and friends. And even as those banks went bust, it, you know, they, they were still capturing a lot more of the market share than, you know, the, the, the fat cats. And so Bitcoin, this is why Bitcoin fixes all this, because it's truly decentralized and no one owns it. And it's mine and my own, my precious, not to sound like Gollum, but like, that's kind of how I feel. But it's, it's not like the evil one ring to rule them all. It's, it's like in reverse. And in fact, people on, on a Bitcoin standard will be incentivized to express and share their value with others. And, you know, and, and this, this is kind of why I'm, I'm glad for Parker's um, piece on Bitcoin is a one for all, because yeah, people will save and maybe hoard, but I don't think that is really going to be a lasting thing because people will need to buy and sell and express value and their freedom of, of speech through value. And that's really the only voting power that you are able to hold on to. So thank God we have this four-year epoch to pay attention to instead of some bullshit election. <laughs> I will play back the the stories uh, to to Lauren and Sammy and, and Caitlin and Sophia so they can get the, the full effect of that. I'll keep the swearing in as well, no problem. So, <laughs> oh, okay, or, or just have Adam like censor it. <laughs> but no, it's it's really good. It's it's cool analogies, and yeah, I wish I wish they'd have asked that question. Um, damn it, I I should have been. I should have guided them more, I suppose, but uh, but never mind. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to, to to even think about that and put that together before before coming on. 
Um, I, didn't realize... I was in Boy Scouts, but I came prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we need to shout out as well Citadel 21 because you are yes. appearing in this month's volume or next month's volume. What, what's the what's the scoop? Oh, no, it it's out. It's volume six, so it's not out in physical yet, but it would be really cool through... Um, <laughs> Oh, I guess I guess I can talk about the fundraiser. It's somewhat relevant. So, um, part of the fundraiser is like is is raising funds to you know like in advance to make a full record, and it's through Bitcoin. If people go to etf615.com, there's a slew of options um, to pay in Bitcoin or or fiat. Like there's a strike option, and then there's my uh, Cash App tag or whatever. But um, not not just to pay for like the the song. Uh, or or the album, but to also have capital to work with other Bitcoin companies and invest in and them and give back and create like the circular Bitcoin economy. I thought that would be really really uh, cool and like valuable. Uh, so Crypto Cloaks is a great example, and I thought it'd be cool if they could like three D print guitar picks and have like a guitar pick including like the physical issue of whatever issue that my story was in. I believe it's volume six. Um, but yeah, Citadel 21, like they're really doing exactly what is needed in Bitcoin in, in um, j- just having like this, this cool artistic zine that's tangible in a way. One of the early things that kind of scares people off about Bitcoin is that it's just this weird ephemeral thing that, you know, it, it's just kind of made up in your head. But if you have this physical aspect to it, this physical element, um, another good one is cold storage. If you don't have cold storage yet, uh, baby steps, but make sure you get there at some point. You can hit me up or Matt O'Dell to help you out with that. Preferably <laughs> Matt. I'm, I'm just adult when it comes to this stuff. Uh, dumbass. But, um, but yeah, like Citadel 21 is really capturing uh, the funness and the culture aspect of Bitcoin and presenting it in this way. And that's, again, why I wanted to make the song is uh, another podcast that was really influential on me was is called um, Friends Against Government podcast, another anarcho libertarian kind of deal. But, you know, I really connected with those guys because they were much funnier and laid back and like don't give a shit when they talk about stuff and it's just very lighthearted and uh <laughs> If you if you look if you take the acronym it, it comes out as fagcast so that's just hilarious in itself but you know <laughs> they kind of reminded me as a content creator uh well I mean it's because of them I started my podcast um a boy named Sue Sue as in like uh pseudo like P S E U but um to, just to remind myself and this was already my my mindset but it's it's important to when you try to present difficult information or just information in general you don't want it to sound like the charlie brown teacher you can't make it feel like a a burden or homework you have to make it fun and i've always kind of lived by be serious about what you do but don't take yourself too seriously and then also car camp at one of the hosts of the friends against government podcast has talked about a lot like yeah if we want to change if we want to like end war and you know have some money like bitcoin's one way but you got to present it by changing the culture like you have to make it fun so i'm looking at uh actually i i, I spoke with alex merced he's uh he was doing party politics on the uh doing lp stuff but um 
he was he was also into music and he was studying that uh economics is actually kind of a reflection on the the kind of entertainment that comes out but uh it's entertainment nonetheless so he uses the example in the 80s there was tight monetary policy and so you had you know kids wearing very bright neon colors in the 80s because that's what was available at thrift stores and then we uh fast forward a little bit in the, in the 90s you got rap music and you got you know guys out there on stage with bling on and that was when the loose monetary policy was enacted um so I was just kind of curious, like, what would happen if I write a Bitcoin song that kind of brought it all together with, like, sound money uh, for, you know, to write the anthem of, like, the sound money revolution. But, um, you know, I thought Citadel 21 was just a perfect avenue, medium to to do this. And I really hope uh, that they start to have more of a, an impact on people. And, yeah, I, I talked with, uh, with Huddle or not. Uh, on the show as well and it's just a, a really cool story it, it's bitcoin really challenges you to be your own salesman and be your own businessman and just to embrace those sovereignty and challenge yourself uh, so i hope that's another message that gets across through Citadel 21 and gets across to people as they find bitcoin too yeah for sure mate and your own podcast how long have you been doing that and how many episodes are you up to now because you're You've been around longer than most people would even give you credit for. Yeah, uh, that might be a sign because I wasn't like super into Bitcoin at the beginning. It was libertarian mostly. Um, and I, I did it to basically give myself a reason. To, well, one, I want to do, I was inspired by Dave Smith and the Fat Cast, but I also wanted to kind of like learn as it went along. Like I guess a lot of people started out doing, but I've been doing that since January of 2019. And it's only been really 100% Bitcoin since November of uh, 2019. And that's because really of that that's when I was buying the VPN and all that history. And if people want to know more about like more of my Bitcoin story and like more details of it, uh, other than just like the VPN, I that's in the Citadel 21 article. And I was on a couple podcasts for that. But um, uh, it, it Long story short, Guy Swan was actually on the Fadcast, and he was talking about Bitcoin. And he read a uh, an article from Sal Mayweather, infamous on Twitter for memes and whatnot in the in the anarcho freedom agorist community. But he wrote this piece about the like basically the failed economics of Bitcoin maximalism, and Guy just tears that apart. And it really got my attention because I was writing for Sal's blog for a while. Uh, whenever I feel like writing, um, I haven't written anything in quite a while, but, um, when he wrote that piece, I had him on to just ask questions about Bitcoin because I was super new to quote unquote crypto. And so I, uh, it was not the, the Bitcoin standard rhetoric by any means. And so in, in the article, he kind of gives me like a little shout out, like, Oh, I was on a boy named Sue podcast talking about this and blah, blah, blah. And the fact that I challenged myself to listen to guys show and he, read that little like shout out i was like okay it's got my attention and then i went down that's when i really went down the bitcoin rabbit hole was just consume 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 guys podcast and already being familiar with the with the mises institute and him reading pieces from rothbard and hoppa and and um it it, it was just like yeah like this this makes sense i'm all about it like money converges into one 
it's a network effect. Like all this other FUD of like why this coin can be money and whatever. It, even if it's not trying to be money, I feel like you need the sound monetary aspect for it to work. Otherwise, the incentives aren't aligned properly and people will try to cheat the system because they, they there's not that much left to lose. And that's why the Bitcoin network is so much different because of all the competition around mining and the hashing power and, you know, this proving time after time of this anti-fragility that even if Bitcoin is going to have its ups and downs, again, markets naturally do that. And it is the living, breathing example of free markets, free market capitalism. I kind of hate saying the word capitalism because it just like throws people for a loop now, but it's, it's, it's living, breathing, programmable, decentralized truth that when left alone markets prevail and that definitely wasn't in that it it took me a while to really embrace and understand that i knew from my heart that's how it how it works but then i also kind of bought into the the bcash shitcoin argument that oh we need a free market and money it's like no you don't no you don't everything i just said you can't replicate because it's bitcoin like it is this um uh uh, baby Jesus thing. God, I'm immaculate conception. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Uh, shit. What was the question? No. Yeah. It was about how many shows you've done as a, as a podcast. Like, uh, Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm at episode, um, shit nearing 170. Nice. And, uh, I'm enjoying it. I did take like quite a dump once COVID hit. So that kind of hurt. So it's been like a very slow climb back up. And, you know, I don't blame people for fucking listening to Matt and Marty's show or, or your show. Cause again, it's just me kind of talking out of my ass and trying to get smart people on, but you know, I'm, I'm still a small fish in this podcast. See, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm really just doing it to, to, to better myself. And I guess the dirty word network, but really to make like friends or like, I feel like I have family across the planet and, mm-hmm. you know it it just feels good to have people on your side and you know it would be nice if we all lived in one citadel but you know knowing that you know there's somewhere out there across an ocean and you know geographically multiple spots it's it's reassuring to know that we can all converge again a network effect like converge on this one idea of of sound money and it you know we 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 get along like we have there's skirmishes and bitcoin about this and that bullshit but at the end of the day we we stay based we stay on that principle of it's it's the money stupid mm-hmm. so so yeah like the, the podcast is fun uh i don't see any reason for me to stop doing it so yeah if people want to check it out it's a boy named sue again like the johnny cash song uh but again sue is p-s-e-u um like pseudonymous like bitcoin is um my Anyone phone. that tells you it's 100% private, they're full of shit. Um, but yeah, that, that's the podcast. I don't see myself stopping anytime soon with that. My favorite episode of yours was with uh, with Matt, with Matt O'Dell. Where you, <laughs> that, you, that's been a recent favorite, yeah. Just because you guys got so loose. 
and you were drinking okay. some canned wine or something, and Matt was just so disgusted. You, you like, he oh, yeah. <laughs> came across. And at one point, didn't you didn't you take a break to go to the toilet or something? And and Matt was trying to fill in. And you oh had yeah, your, that you had your earbuds. That, that's in. a regular occurrence on the show, though. <laughs> and you came back and. Matt was like, oh, you're back. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's great what you were talking about. He's like, oh, you heard all that? He's like, oh, yeah, I got my earbuds in, man. <laughs> yeah, so Bluetooth, man. I, 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 I definitely recommend the pod. It's great. I always get some chuckles out of it and, and learn a lot. You've, got, you've had I mean, some great guests on, too. And, and, like, that's the thing. Like, it's about being serious about what you do, but don't take yourself too seriously. I mean, at the end of the day, I want to... I want to have a show and I guess a safe space where people can like emotionally, spiritually, maybe physically, I don't know what's going on behind the camera, but like undress themselves and just be natural and like chill. Like it's a fun environment. You know, if even if you plan on going like pomp or something or, you know, TFTC or your show, like you can, you, you can go to the the, the the boxing ring a little bit and dish out your material on my show first and then work on that. And then you like buff yourself up to, you know, go do on some other show. But it's supposed to be just like fun. I mean, you know, the markets and just the world is scary enough as it is. And having that information is valuable. Um, but, you know, just keep lighthearted and, and have fun because it's too easy to just get depressed about stuff. And thankfully people are not shooting themselves <laughs> and uh, just are paranoid and depressed because we have Bitcoin. I mean, Eric Kaysen says that he, and not just him, like a bunch of people have said that they'd be a wreck if they didn't find Bitcoin, whether they were like very fringe left or very fringe right or whatever ideology they had before. Um, so again, like it is just this neutralizing thing that we can all converge on, uh, cause it's, it is truth. It is math. And, mm -hmm. you know, to, 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 to stop it is just a, a crime. It is a, it is a sovereign crime among any sovereign nation. You, you know, it's, it's like a natural right, uh, telling someone not to code, telling someone they can't own actual property. Because it, it's just information in your head that you're express, expressing with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a strong advocate. Like, I, I, I hear Marty Ben talk about this, that Bitcoin is just free speech money. And it, it goes back into, like, my fuck you money. Because I have the freedom to express myself however I want. Because it's my money. No one else can take it from me. Because Bitcoin is a push system, not a pull system. And how dare you in the first place to tell me what I can and can't do with my property. And first of all, the feds that try to make these rules and regulations don't know what the hell to call it in the first place. Like they flip flop, oh, it's a currency. Oh no, it's actually a commodity. Uh, you know, this tax instead of that. They're they're I know that they're not stupid. They're actually very smart and they are they are very strategic in how they want to approach things. Um, but uh, again, it's it is something new and it, it is a challenge for them. Uh that that is to assume that Bitcoin's not a psyop. So um but <laughs> it's 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 definitely gonna going to be interesting to see what happens. But Bitcoin, if anything, is freedom of, of speech. And I know it's different in the EU that y'all are unfortunate to not have that right or the Second Amendment. But it is free speech, Bitcoin, at the end of the day. It's information that you're expressing. It is really a voting right that actually matters in the world for once and for all. And 
And even going back to the Second Amendment, cryptography in itself. Um, I interviewed David Friedman on the HCPP um, Congress that happened a week or so ago. And it was him that came up with cryptography is the Second Amendment of the 21st century. And because it is just technology and is free and open source and decentralized and unstoppable, it's unstoppable. And this goes back into the sovereign individual thesis of it's not really going to be worth the Fed's time and effort to use violence because they won't get a return on their violence because people will hopefully, as time goes on, the user interface and experience will just abstract away the complexities of you know the tech of Bitcoin and it'll be easier for people to use. Um, but it's still easy to use now. I mean, uh, Alex Gladstone talks about uh, privacy tools like using Signal and Telegram, and uh, we're we're becoming sovereign individuals almost by default. And we, for once, we actually have choice, like this optionality, like Milton Friedman, like free to choose. Like we are we are being gifted by these tools that are being created for practically nothing, you know, unless you get like a square crypto grant or something. But, you know, these are tools that people truly care about and hoping we can someday see the internet as the cypherpunks imagined, uh, you know, Am Amex of what Tim May was working on, kind of like a, uh, a precursor to, um, um, uh, uh, God damn it. Having a brain fart. Uh, Ross Ulbricht's Silk Road, um, just freedom of information to consume and have tools that better people. That is kind of what's keeping me optimistic about about like the safety of individuals when you know powers that be try to decide what to do and what not to about Bitcoin. And I forgot what the question was again. We're giving up on questions. We're just we're we're riffing. But sound money. <laughs> Uh, here, how's this for me? Sound money equals sound sleep. Sound money, yeah, I th that's good. Sound, sound money, sound mind. I like to say that um, uh, money, music is a universal language. That's uh, what I try to talk about in the article I wrote. It's not really mm -hmm. a meme. I thought sound was in there somehow, but I mean, sound money is is the best way to communicate with people because again, like the the rules aren't being broken, no one's cheating, but. And that's another another thing I, I was keeping in mind, and and my mission behind the song was to to communicate because art in general is global. You mm -hmm. know, you talk about like the Beatles exploding, or I guess K-pop from Korea, or you know these international phenomenons uh, move the planet, and so it's universal. It's a language. It's music. It's art. It's entertainment, and anyone can can re relate to it. it it speaks to someone uh yeah at, at a deeper level as well and um and i feel like money does that of, of course i mean swift aside and you know exchanging currencies and all that garbage i mean money talks at the end of the day and it would just be a lot better if we had a sound money system that spoke truth and so that's why i think you know money uh, music and money you can throw art in there, but I think music has a different effect because of the earworm. Uh, you can't get an earworm from looking at a fucking painting. I mean, you can remember it, but, you know, uh, Van Gogh doesn't get stuck in your head like whistling. So 
that's why I believe money and music is truly a universal language. And there's just so much division and confusion in the world and music and, and money are network effects that people can converge on and actually speak the same language and have things make sense. And one of the most influential pieces uh, that I came across in my journey of, you know, anarcho markets or whatever was I pencil by Leonard E. Reed. And there's, it's a treatise, like you can read it, but fee.org, F-E-E, I think it's .org, but they have like a five minute video of iPencil and it's, it's beautiful. Like, you know, I almost want to like, I rewatched it a month or so ago and it kind of makes me want to like break down into tears of how beautiful free markets actually are because all they are, are people, I mean, it goes into Mises as human action, but people voluntarily making decisions in their own self-interest that makes sense to them and their loved ones or whoever they're trying to provide for. And because of their self-interest, that actually creates this network effect of capital flowing and hiring someone across the world. I mean, they go into the details of every aspect, all the labor going into making just one single pencil uh, because it requires the tree choppers and like hiring them and hiring the factory workers and like to make the lead and where does the lead come from? And just all of this complexity that is out of our grasp that we can't understand as individuals. And for a Federal Reserve chairman or anybody of bureaucrats to think that they know how to manage an economy better than the free market is just complete hubris and a complete joke. And this is this kind of ties back into the whole metaphysical idea of it, if, of the invisible hand is basically the market, but people collectively create this invisible hand that creates prosperity. And uh, sure, I'll throw the G word around, but like, how is that not God working through people? Or how is that not whatever, like cosmic entity working through people? Like there's, there's a lot of things in the world that just like work by themselves and can't really be described in physics. Like, don't, I'm not a scientist. Like, don't fucking ask me an example. But, um, you know, like the Big Bang, there's just so much out of our control. And, you know, if you play, if you're, if you play with people's money, you're playing God with their lives. And Bitcoin fixes that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. At the end of the day, I don't think. We, we evolved and were born, which is, you know, life's, one of life's just like that itself is like a one in million, billion, trillion chance to even be born to sit at a desk for 50 years and then retire and do as someone else says for your whole life. I, I don't think that's what we're here for. But somehow 99% of us believe that is what we're here for. And again, yeah, Bitcoin fixes this. So... How did you get to this point, considering what I've kind of picked up on on your childhood, uh, being close to, to the church and probably a very straight down the line kind of upbringing, I'm assuming? I wasn't super close to the church. Uh, I, I just went and played like like rock, like God music with friends because it was something <laughs> to do. And that was just kind of like... 
So how do you explain uh, to adjacent your to the whole spiritual stuff? And again, I'm like, I'm not super religious, but yeah, it, it's just kind of like making me think. And especially like I mentioned earlier with pieces and like breed that uh, Bria love yep. pumps out. And um, I don't think the world is an accident, I will say. And again, there's just so much that we can't explain as humans. Do, do your do your family get where you are now? Like, you know, how if do you look back at like your upbringing, how did you become more leaning towards uh, libertarianism and uh, and finding Bitcoin and going down this whole self sovereign route? It's hard for people to understand. Very difficult. Even my friends and family think I'm crazy. Yeah. I mean, we're weirdos, dude. Like, <laughs> um, it is odd, and it makes you think like. Did someone select us all? Uh, like, you know, were we predestined or programmed to find this based on the just the things that we go through in life? I mean, you got out of the, the financial game fairly quickly and you just couldn't, I guess, deal with it morally. And it was a drain. And a lot of people don't really have the balls to walk away from that, you know, unless if they were able to make a exit or whatever like good for them but you know they might end up finding themselves in a revolving door which is pretty common if you haven't yet or if anyone listening hasn't yet uh please read or listen to the new confessions of an economic hitman by john perkins and he goes through this uh he, this is essentially how um you know how america keeps its empire instead of just going to wars with countries they were a bit more strategic, starting with Teddy Roosevelt and uh, basically, you know, trying to take Iran's oil um, and then uh, self leading up to the 53 revolution, whatnot. But it, um, it's basically like these private corporations at the time uh, around like the Vietnam War just get these hired guns to use Keynesian economics like John Perkins talks about. This was the decade of Keynesian economics where we had to use these models and come up with this data of how these infrastructure plans will grow at 20% in the year. So it was John's job to basically make friends with world leaders in Panama and just, you know, least developed countries, LDCs, to bribe them into taking out giant loans that they would never be able to pay back to the United States. And once they default, the United States basically takes charge of that economy. And that's basically how empire building happens. So um, he was able to kind of see the light, but he actually, you know, by accident, just because of fiat and just the access to money was just so tempting. And not to say, you know, there won't be dirty business in Bitcoin, but it certainly won't be as, as prevalent he found himself getting back into that business and there was a revolving door and he had to walk away because he saw the damage that was being done. And so it's guys like him and, and you and uh, just me kind of seeing the, the moral arguments for, for, for not getting into, into that business. And like, not to say that you're like economic hitman by any means, <laughs> but um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's very, it's really hard to walk away from that. You know, because people have families, people accrue capital and, you know, they don't want to get out of that gig if they don't have to, especially with people actually may looking rich, but living paycheck to paycheck because they live too extravagantly because they haven't grasped the concept of low time preference, like they're strapped. So it's really hard to walk away from that, depending on what your situation is. And so, I, you know, we're we're 
you and I and people listening are are lucky to kind of understand that or you know maybe you do have debt but you're you're now you now understand uh sound money and low time preference and now you're you're grinding to go the extra mile to make what money you can to pay for that and to provide for your family like again it, it all depends on what your situation is but yeah it if you want to go take it back to my upbringing, I mean, my parents were always like very proud and uh, shocked at like how responsible I I was, but I, I definitely wasn't any of that without without them because you know uh, for as, as much as you might love and hate it, like you are a product of your your upbringing. Um, yeah, hope that answered your question. Are you are you just kind of wondering like how how I I got to where I am mentally? Yeah. Are you going to play my shrink? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a leather couch. So, uh, that there's, uh, you got a bathtub. Yeah. I, I do have the bathtub behind me. Yeah. I could, uh, like you said, I should sit back there and, uh, and, and chill out and just let you, uh, you know, air your, air your worries. Um, yeah, I, I suppose, I mean, it, it is such a, a big mind shift, this whole thing. And people, when they see the changes in you, they can either look at you and uh, respect that or just kind of wonder what the hell is going on. I'm sure you've had many of your friends, you know, or, or maybe I mean, I, you're, 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 thankfully a lot all my friends are, at this point are Bitcoiners. So, and especially living in Austin, that, that makes things a little easier. Um, but you know, people are just afraid of change. People don't like change. Jeff Booth talks about this in his book, like, People know what they know. They know the system and all the benefits that they have felt from the system. They don't want to walk walk away from, and so that's why we're tied by the welfare state, by the state, and to throw Bitcoin into the mix and just challenge what they thought was truth and reprogram them and to just wake up and learn that everything that they were told is a lie is really hard. It's hard. I mean, it might be easy for me because I found libertarianism and and really I I the only reason I found it is because I I was afraid of just not knowing enough knowledge as a kid entering college and you know, I didn't want to feel ignorant or stupid and I wanted to have some sense of what was going on. So I tried to listen to to both sides. Like I listened to AM radio of like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and later Buck Sexton, which I guess was a better step in the right direction. But, um, and, and then, uh, like there's another one called ladder with Crowder, which was like funnier. And then, you know, they had, uh, Owen Benjamin on, he's a comedian, but then Owen Benjamin's friends with Dave Smith. And that's how I found Dave Smith's podcast. But, you know, before, like it, as I was like trying to get in like the right side, I also listened to the left and like a lot of NPR as well. And I just tried to expose myself to information and, a lot of people are content with what they think they know and they just, I guess, aren't motivated enough to ask those hard hitting questions because they're comfortable and they're content. And, and, and again, like, you know, I guess it worked out for me because it didn't work out for me because I didn't have that college experience. Like I got in to get out and I wish I hadn't gone in the first place. Like, couple nights ago i was just trying to go to sleep and i was verbally laying in bed saying i'm such a fucking idiot you know what i should have done is got try to get into the best college i could and just fucked off and partied and had fun and flunk out 
And I still probably will just have a bunch of money that's not wasted. I could have bought Bitcoin with it, dude. Like, like think of how many stacks I could have stacked, uh, sats I could have stacked in March had I not wasted. Thankfully, I finished in three and a half years because uh, I want to get the fuck out of there. But had I not wasted all that time and, and money and, and again, like Bree Love hits this home about like money being time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I stole that from myself, but I, I, that, that indoctrination and orthodoxy was just embedded and programmed in my mind and the fear of not having good grades when grades didn't matter in the first place, but to you know have good grades and have these like meet these unknown expectations just to like appease my parents. Cause I've, you're told to go to college and get a good job. But you know, I, the major I majored in was, I guess not pointless. It was mass communications and electronic media. So I was exposed to software for making videos and uh, editing podcasts and radio stuff. So that, that was kind of cool. But, you know, at the same time, I should have just followed my passion and curiosity and, and, and been self-sufficient. But see, I also fall victim to what a lot of people do is the fear of the unknown. And you know, to some extent, because I was scared and didn't know what the fuck to do with my life. You know, I, in a way, I wanted either my handheld or like to have a mentor just guide me, you know? But hey, maybe I shouldn't have gone to college and just taken an apprenticeship and like been a plumber or something. And it, it's, it, Bitcoin kind of helps you to not live in fear in a way. Uh, even, you know, trying to put, whether it's your treasury or life savings or whatever into Bitcoin and be irresponsibly long is uh, it's also kind of, uh, it's, it's something to, to be afraid of at first, but it's also something like you get over it just because of an empirical evidence and Hey, it, it could crash tomorrow. No one really knows, but there's, there's sound enough evidence to know that the current shit that we're forced to live with doesn't work and is broken. And, you know, that just makes you more, uh, sound minded and focused and have like this faith in, in Bitcoin, uh, like, you know, might as well have faith in actual money than fiat delusional money, but it, it's just hard. I mean, people are afraid and people are scared to go against the grain. And it was just, I guess, easier for me to do so because I felt like I didn't fit in at all. You know, I, I didn't have the college experience. Like I got a lot of like some drinking and partying and puking out of my system in high school. And I felt like I was at a slumber party with a bunch of immature kids that were my age and older. And I just feel like I didn't really click with anyone. So I just kind of kept quiet and listened to podcasts and tried to keep a reasonably high GPA when, you know, again, it's like Keynesian economics. It's like growth for growth's sake. It's just a fucking number. Almost if you go in and know what the hell you want to do, like be a lawyer or, or something, then yeah, maybe college is for you. But you know, college definitely isn't for everyone, especially if you can't pay off a semester with a summer job. And again, that is because the rules are being broken and the price signals are just fucking everybody. And, and, and yeah, I guess you and I and everyone else listening were, I guess, chosen or just went through these, these trials in life that led to a natural occurrence of, Hey, it's Bitcoin, dude. Like, check this out. Consider everything that you've done so far in your life. And if you follow this logical path, I mean, it kind of makes sense 
one thing leads into another. And you might feel like you're too late and you should have been minding this shit. But, you know, it's, I, I think things happen for a reason out of our control. But, you know, what's that quote about luck? It's not like luck doesn't really exist. It's just a matter of consequence of uh, like responsible preparation. And like, it's really all about the good, the good choices you made in the past that mm-hmm. created your so-called overnight success or whatever the fuck it is. I, I probably butchered it. But um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, if it can happen, I feel like also, because I'm nothing special, if it can happen to me, then it can happen to so many more people. And I just hope my song helps people out with that. <laughs> I'm sure it will. And I love that fact that people that come into Bitcoin, when you meet people that are new to Bitcoin and they, they look at it and they're like, no, no way I'm getting into that. I'm way too late way way too late I, I should have been around ages ago and mining it and everything like you said i'm gonna go buy gold instead you're like that's thousands of years old <laughs> that's th- thousands of this is 12 years old you you, you just said you're late to bitcoin but, but it's not as volatile <laughs> yes <laughs> so hey like to be fair like i think there is some merit in gold like gold's sexy gold's cool it's nice to like hold gold but it's even harder to get your hands on it. Maybe you go to like a gold thrift shop or something. The gold bugs are actually a great example that we can talk about of people just being so stubborn in their way, even though that they're kind of like half red pilled, but not quite orange pilled yet. They understand some money, but they're just so entrusted and believe in gold and they don't trust Bitcoin. And it's hard to change people's minds. And I think there's a valid argument. I, I think like Dan Tapiero talked about this uh, on the last one signal but or whoever the hell said it was arguing that you know before bitcoin if we get have to have a brenton woods 2.0 they'll try it with gold but then you know well i guess for their betterment or their benefit that might last for some time but then it'll break again like it's breaking right now and then go to bitcoin but i can't really put my finger on it i just don't really see that happening it's uh I don't know, like cats out out of the bag for that. As 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 far as I'm concerned, it's the honey badger's out of the bag. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I've got to ask you the question. I'm sure you've done some homework on it. If you had one, but like, is it a red pill or an orange pill to you? What do you prefer? Uh, no, it's it's orange. I just use red because you can't you can't call a gold bug orange pill. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> If you had one orange pill left to give to someone, who'd you give it to and why? Dude, I've been... Okay, do you mind saying something? Just make sure my, my earbuds... Yeah? Perfect, perfect. Yeah, dude, I, I've been thinking about this question, and I can't really... Doesn't It doesn't... Like, picking a celebrity or something is is one thing, but I don't really think it... It matters and it doesn't, but... At the end of the day, I don't really think it matters. I'd, if anyone, I'd, I want to like give it to my parents or my friends and family. Um, sure, if what LeBron James got into Bitcoin or something, or actually, what one of my favorites is uh, Chris D'Elia. He is a comedian, but he got me too'd for some bullshit. Probably I haven't looked too into it, but you know, you friends of Joe Rogan and all those other comedy dudes like Bill Burr and whatnot. So just because. I liked what he did and he had a fan base that was my age and younger and probably older too. That would have been cool. But you know, at the same time, 
I feel like that only goes so far. Just, just something tells me like I'd rather, I'd rather give the orange pill to the people I care about most. So that that would probably be, be my family. Like you know, not to be like not to have a kiss ass answer, but you know, you talk, you you throw out like the Pope with the Dalai Lama, uh, like that helps. But I don't know. It it just didn't really speak to me totally. So I'd rather actually give to someone who I could actually see, uh, see an impact and make a difference in their life. And my, my parents, I think are slowly coming around to it. And in fact, lately the podcast I've been sending my mom to listen to when she's doing her crafts or whatever, uh, she actually listens to. And (laughs) I give her like questions. Okay. So what was your favorite part? Like what interested you in that? Did you learn anything new? (laughs) Um, And then sometimes I just like send her paragraphs of just, like talking at her, which I shouldn't do, but I don't know. It's a good way for me to flush out my thoughts to make sure it makes sense. But uh, it's, you know, live, live by Matt O'Dell's principle, like show lightly if you can. It's like, it's way too easy for us to just pour our heart out in, you know, 240 characters. Um, but it's really on the onus of the person to begin with. You can influence them as much as you can. I encourage people to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, they have to figure it out on their own. And eventually Bitcoin's going to do what we hope it does, or that is going to do. I'll be bullish. I'll say it's inevitable. Like as it happens, people are going to be forced to individuals, governments, like they'll have to abide because Hey, they're, they're <laughs> 21 million permanent. It's non-negotiable as Phil Geiger says. So yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm optimistic Cautiously optimistic, but very bullish at the same time. And irresponsibly long. Of course. Although you always feel as though you, you, you've never stacked enough. You know, it just takes uh, one, one little price, one little... I think, was it Michael Saylor on, uh, on Stefan Levera's podcast that said, once you understand Bitcoin, you realize you've never got enough of it. And this is a dude that has like 38,000 of them, like, you know, $425 million worth. And he still doesn't think he has enough Bitcoin uh, because yeah. that's just what it does to you. It's uh, it's crazy. All right, Phil. Well, we should look at wrapping this up. So where yeah. can people come and find you and uh, reach out? And where, where can people go and watch the video, Where, where uh, the music video? Yeah, so all the info, if you go to etf615.com, uh, you can learn about the fundraiser. And the video is there. You can download it for free, MP3. Uh, the song is streaming everywhere you stream music. So the song is called ETF, E period, T period, F period. I thought that would be clever because it is short, is acronym for end the Fed. But also, you know, people have always wanted a, a Bitcoin ETF and it seems like everyone gets it but the states. So whatever. But I thought that would be good for number go up, but we'll see what happens. Um, the video views... That in that uh, number go up since are nowhere near as high as I'd like them to be. So if uh, you guys can do me a favor and shill the absolute shit out of that video, <laughs> wherever you can to whoever you can, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, people's DMs, your friends, your family, a stranger off the road, just get those economic earworms of the sound money revolution in their head and try to make them think, or at least enjoy a song like, you know, I'll sound like a douchebag, but I listen to that song on my runs. Like it's 
it's got a good beat to it. it helps me keep pace it's the reason i'm able to run six miles a day so hey like music was my first drug man and that's that's evidence of it doing so um but my socials or more about the fundraiser so <laughs> we love memes in bitcoin right mm-hmm. so i chose 615 like 6.15 that is the fundraising goal of uh 6.15 bitcoin i thought i could meme it into existence as of now that hasn't happened honestly i don't expect it to happen it's a little lofty it's a little stupid but who knows if you're feeling generous if michael saylor listens to this hey man how you doing <laughs> just kidding probably won't happen but you know if you feel like just throw me some sats, there's options there for you to do so. And, um, you know, that's going to be an advance towards the record. That's going to be uh, just merch money to help out great companies like Crypto Cloaks, consider BTC pins, just like creating this circular Bitcoin economy that we want to see become a reality. And, you know, it's how is that not like the coolest thing ever? Um, so, we yeah, some- uh, you, the, the link to the Citadel 21 article should, should be there, but it's in uh, volume six. And then you can find me at uh, Mr. Sue. That's my Twitter at. So M R P S E U. And then like the name you see is Phil Gibson. There's a little like ancient key looking there. Taproot 2020. We need to pass that shit. So uh, very bullish on that. And uh, the podcast, as we mentioned earlier, is a boy named Sue. Like the Johnny Cash song, but Sue is spelled P-S-E-U. And if you would be so kind as to whatever podcatcher device you have, Apple is usually the one that does this. But if you could rate it five stars and write a nice review, that actually does go a long way in the ranks. But value subjective. You might think my show's shit. And you might not <laughs> like me and Matt O'Dell drinking uh, canned wine and not so canned substances and taking potty breaks so that might not be your jam hey man like you do you subjective value we're austrians here but uh it would mean a lot if you uh if you did rate subscribe review five stars leave a nice review like something like i love you sue and uh share it with friends family member just uh like you should share etf615.com so you can be a part of joining the band and writing this anthem of the sound money revolution to put economic earworms into people's minds and change their lives for the better do you have a swan affiliate link you want to show oh shit yeah i do so just uh, <laughs> go to swanbitcoin.com slash phil and you can also do go to savingsavings.io take you to the same place but i snagged that domain uh the other day i actually also did snag what is the fed.com so i'm gonna play around with that you nice. can also also i because Bitcoin has challenged me to just learn about computer science and programming and learning how to code. I'm a really shitty coder, but I consider myself a web dev pleb. So if you go to bop.1 or the Bitcoin one pager.com, you can just learn, you know, like box by box of what Bitcoin is. I wrote, I made it for noobs. Please check that out. And at the very bottom, there is a BTC pay server button for you to uh, donate, and it will go to the same cause as well. And uh, I'll also put a Hexa wallet link there as well. Um, Hexa, I'm starting to feel pretty bullish on that because Matt O'Dell is going to try to put some you know, privacy on that because every coin, you should be uh, coin joining. And I know coin joining and mixing is a little hard because privacy, but 
uh, hit me up if you want, but you know, hit up the expert and the smart people like Matt or um, uh, Ben the car man. He'd be a great guest. He'd be fun. Um, uh, or just, you know, hop in like uh, Wasabi or Samurai chat or just ask some smarter Bitcoin than me how to maintain your privacy. But it's really inspiring to see that kind of technology get in the most user-friendly app- apps like Hexa uh, because, you know, we're here to protect ourselves as individuals and maintain self-sovereignty. And there's no such thing as taint on your Bitcoin, especially if every single Bitcoin is coin joined. So do so. You'll cover your ass and you'll feel good about it. Sound money, sound minds. That's what we're here for. Yes, we are, mate. Well, that is excellent. Thank you very much. And all the best with everything with ETF615.com. Brilliant song, brilliant video. Love the podcast. Love what you're doing. Bring so much energy to to what you're doing. And um, yeah, I just uh, appreciate your work, man. Hey, Daniel, like, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for the time. I know it's getting late where you are, but uh, your show's been great. I'm, again, I, I mentioned it, but it's really awesome to connect with people. Uh, I've reached out to you about just like market general questions. And uh, you actually sent me a little PDF of the book you wrote. And uh, <laughs> it, just having this like friendly feedback and support for one another is, is really cool. So I appreciate what you're doing and uh, I'm just happy to consider you a friend across the pond. And I really like what you're doing with the show. So just thank you so much for your time, courtesy and uh, support brother. Really appreciate it. It means a lot. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to that. And thanks to Phil for taking the time to come on and share so much about his journey and what he's up to and his project which is brilliant go check out the song go check out the video well you'd have heard the song during this episode you've likely not seen the video so go check that out because that's brilliant that was put together by richard james who also did hard money film and a few other contributors and this is what i love about the bitcoin space everyone's coming together to try and push this message as far and as wide as we possibly can. And everyone's doing this pretty much for free on their spare time. And this is kind of the hidden beauty of Corona and lockdown. And if you've listened to my interview with Richard, it was the fact that he had all of this spare time that got him thinking and rekindling his old passion and his old skill of making and editing movies. And what did we get? Hard money film. It's people like Adam who puts this sound recording together for my podcast. When we went into lockdown, he reached out to me to see if he could help me on this podcast project. There are so many other great examples of people that as soon as they went into lockdown, they had some spare time, they're passionate about Bitcoin. This is the, 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 a beautiful irony of what's going on, that all of this great content being produced whilst we're supposed to be locked away away from our friends away from our family out of society and controlled was the opposite is happening and i think it's absolutely brilliant and we see announcements like american hodl and breed love coming together and putting a documentary together and there's other podcasters out there like kayvan davani who's trying to put together a film project with Guy Swan or some kind of commercial project and it's uh, I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face and speaking to people like Phil who's such a young guy and so far down the rabbit hole and wants to make such a difference 
He's got his own podcast. If you've not listened to it, go and check it out. A boy named Sue. I always enjoy hanging out on that podcast and, and listening to his guests and his thoughts. And it's really, really fr- uh, refreshing. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. And for any of you out there thinking about doing something to enter the space, you know I've said it before on other pods, you've got something to contribute. Don't doubt that. We all know there's something in every single one of us and we can all make a difference. So bring the noise. Everyone's ready and we're waiting and we're really looking forward to this bull run together. So before I sign off, thanks again, Phil. Love what you're doing. Thanks everyone for listening, sharing, liking, commenting, bringing the band to on Twitter, rating, reviewing, whatever it is that you do. If you're in the US, go stacks, that's with swanbitcoin.com forward slash once bitten. If you're in the UK, go stacks, that's with coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. If you're anywhere else in the world, go and hit up at Friar Hass, F-R-I-A-R-H-A-S-S on Twitter. He's got you covered. There's a full list of the DCA services closest to you. Go start stacking your sats. There's going to be more companies coming out. And I will try and interview any company that comes new on the scene that is Bitcoin only and offering the dollar cost average, sterling cost average, fiat cost average service where you can do daily, weekly or monthly buys because that's the best way to stack into this and to enjoy the ride. So until the next show, guys, thank you so much for listening. Always happy for you guys to reach out and interact on Twitter. I look forward to the next show. Take care.